I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Previously On, a podcast series created to help you through some of the most complex yet brilliant television ever made. Peaky Blinders Season 3. Two whole years have passed since Thomas's brush with death and notification that Winston Churchill will be in touch sometime in the future regarding a job. His wedding day has arrived. The vastly different families of the Shelbys and the Burgesses sit across from one another in church as Thomas awaits the arrival of Grace, his bride. The wedding march plays and Grace walks down the aisle with her uncle who wears full cavalry uniform. In an impressive manor house in the Warwickshire countryside, a large family portrait depicts Thomas, Grace and a young son. Staff are busy preparing for a post-wedding banquet. In church, Aisha pronounces the couple man and wife to rapturous cheering and applause from the Shelby side of the church and refined silence from the other. During a photo op outside, Thomas appears preoccupied and edgy, glancing at a man who returns his look. Later on, Thomas is at his desk in a grand office. He walks through the throngs of celebrating well-wishers gathering the family as he goes. A young woman inquires as to the availability of cocaine at the party. Once out of the way, a tense Thomas demands there is to be no fighting, no cocaine, no stealing, no fortune-telling and no messing up. He finds Grace in the bedroom. She questions why he's so uptight. He reassures her it's just business, not the wedding. He then admits he's scared for her and their child. She demands to know why and he jokes that he's scared of Arthur's best man speech. The mood lightens and, well, they have sex. Why not? Downstairs, John makes inappropriate jokes about the cavalry and Ada talks passionately about communism with Grace's family. Polly, meanwhile, makes eye contact with a man but is then approached by a different man, a Russian, who asks to join her. The Russian man, Anton Kaladin, states Thomas has developed business interests with Russia, drawing a furious Polly to question why he's talking Russian business on her nephew's wedding day. The time for Arthur's speech arrives. From the off, his words are rocked by nerves and his moment begins to crash as he tries to deliver something heartfelt, but instead flusters and bumbles his way through it. Thomas cuts the speech short and raises a toast. Humiliated, Arthur legs it. Thomas finds him outside, telling him that Grace's family have no idea her husband killed himself. They believe it was an accident, raising concerns he thought Arthur might be about to spill the beans. Angry, Arthur storms away, shouting, but after banging his leg, returns. Thomas then delivers the news that the Russians have made contact and there's business to be done. Back inside, Polly approaches Anton Kaladin, asking for a code name. Anton says Constantine. 
On the grounds an impromptu horse race is arranged and fixed. A horse the cavalry boys will feel loyally obliged to back is dosed upon morphine and water. The money the blinders take is to be given to the Shelby Foundation charity in an effort to show the poor how the Shelbys give back to them. Kaladin meets Thomas away from the crowds. He informs him he's being watched at work and at home. Thomas asks for his money and is told the Duke's niece is en route with the cash. He is to meet her at the station at ten. Thomas changes the plans and determines to have her come to his home instead. Thomas tells Arthur and John to have Johnny Dogs light a big fire in the woods and send Finn to watch the gates. In a room away from the party, Michael gives a young woman coke. He doesn't partake himself and notices she too is inexperienced. Grace approaches Polly looking for Thomas and reveals she knows about the Russians buying weapons to fight and how Churchill is the go-between. Polly surprises her by stating the business started tonight. Thanking her for the info, Grace reminds her she used to get information for a living, to which Polly abruptly states she hasn't forgotten, only Thomas has. During the first dance, Grace questions Thomas about the business, pleading not to let anything happen just to get the job done and leave it behind them. He promises to. They declare their love for one another and he says he'll keep them all safe. At the gate, Sergeant Moss delivers Duchess Tatiana Petrovna. Thomas asks for the money, then reveals that Kaladin gave the wrong code name. She asks to see Kaladin as she knows him by sight. Thomas raises his voice, stating Churchill said no variations and the man gave the wrong name. The money is taken from the car and counted. With everything in order, Tatiana is told to leave, but asks can he do the job, can he kill? Thomas tells Moss to return the Duchess to Birmingham. Afterwards, Arthur opens up to Thomas that he doesn't want to do the job, but is told they've got no choice or they'll hang. We hear mention of tanks being stolen, and Thomas says the money they'll get is huge, and he plans to buy the wharf at Boston Docks with it. Polly meets a man named Mr Oliver, but gets pulled away by Thomas with the news to keep people dancing and that a fire has been lit. Arthur enters and tells Kaladin a woman's here to see him, escorting him out to the stables. Kaladin's suspicions are aroused as they walk. A fight erupts, ending when Arthur shoots the Russian in the head, killing him. The man who spoke to Polly, Reuben Oliver, offers to spend the night with her, but she turns him down. Arthur finds his wife Linda in the chapel and hands her a flower. She sees his distress and thinks it's over the speech, so she comforts him. In the woods, the body of Kaladin is burned. The next morning, the Shelby family depart back for Birmingham. We enter the Shelby house and see money placed inside a safe, absolutely bursting with cash. Polly questions Thomas's decision to gamble it all over one robbery. He tells her, yeah, he's a gambling man. We begin at the Lanchester Motor Company factory. Thomas meets the foreman and lays underlying threats in his direction. He asks about keys to specific warehouses and the contents of them, then demands the keys to Bay 6. The foreman hands them over, but refuses any cash. Inside Bay 6, Thomas looks over a collection of armoured vehicles. Outside, he meets with a priest, Father John Hughes, part of the deal, and they wait for men from Section D, businessmen, army officers, MPs and the like, to arrive. Father Hughes declares the men too grand to be governed by a clock. He then states how Patrick Jarvis MP will want to become a trustee on Thomas's new charitable foundation and that he himself will have an office there. Thomas fails to hide his anger at this. The clock chimes six and Father Hughes makes to leave, declaring the meeting cancelled for now. Thomas reveals he's seen the vehicles, 27 in all, and everything's in good order. Hughes tells him he's to go to London for a meeting. Elsewhere, Arthur, John, Finn and a crew of blinders meet with Vicente Changretta, the father of Liz's partner Angel Changretta. Vicente talks of the peace between the blinders and the Changretta family, but demands an explanation about an arson attack at his son's restaurant. 
Arthur and John make light of it. Vicente reminds them they once borrowed clothes from the Changretta family. He adds that he wishes to maintain the peace, but that his son will see any woman he chooses. John makes a threat against Angel, resulting in anger from Changretta, who leaves with his men. Arthur's unimpressed with John, but his brother remains headstrong. Elsewhere, Thomas visits Ada at the library, seeking a book on the Russian Revolution. She asks about Kaladin, the Russian man murdered at the wedding, wondering how he got invited in the first place. Thomas reads a page concerning a Leon Petrovich Romanov. Ada raises concerns about the current health of Mr. Kaladin, but Thomas states she asks because she's bored in a job. At the Shelby home, Polly confronts John about his threats to Angel Changretta. Word is that Angel's now threatening to kill John. Polly continues with the news that Arthur said John should apologise, but as a compromise, she has arranged for Lizzie to do so on his behalf and also break up with him. This infuriates John, who begins throwing stuff around and blaming it all on Arthur's God-fearing wife, Linda. Thomas meets with Leon Romanov at the Ritz. He's asked to take care of a few of Romanov's outstanding bills with the hotel before he can enter. As they eat together, Thomas reveals his newfound knowledge of Russian history, delivering considerable information on his dining partner and raising concerns about his finances. Romanov declares that his poverty is actually a facade. He then proceeds to pay for the killing of Kaladin with a sizeable sapphire. John pays a visit to Angel Changretta, brutally beating him and his men, before finishing by viciously slicing open Angel's face with the razors in his cap and warning him off Lizzie. A family meeting's called in the wake of John's attack. To the surprise of Polly and Arthur, Thomas sides with John. He declares that an apology would have weakened their position, and then commands that two of Changretta's pubs are taken that night. At the Ritz, it's revealed that Leon plans to kill Thomas once their business is concluded. At Thomas's home, he presents Grace with the sapphire from Romanov and tells her to wear it at an upcoming charity dinner event for the Shelby Foundation. A troubled Arthur tells Linda he's got to go and take care of some business and passes it off as paperwork, but Linda's concerned, replying that working in the dark is for the devil. Eh? Outside in the driving rain, Arthur meets Sergeant Moss, demanding he keeps the police clear ahead of hitting the Changretta pubs. The Peaky Blinders take the drinking dens by fire and force. Arthur's seemingly lost as he washes blood from his hands in the rain. Afterwards, he goes home instead of the garrison, which angers John. Agonised screams fill the ward of a hospital as Angel Changretta suffers following the attack. We see Vicente being told someone is to arrive by train. Thomas finds John and Esme at the Shelby home and tells them there are two truckloads of police outside. He tells Esme to leave and arms himself and John. Scotland Yard suddenly burst in, dragging Esme, Thomas and John away. In his cell, Thomas receives a visit from Father Hughes and a mean-looking dog. Hughes tells him if he visits Ada again, she'll be killed due to being a security risk. Thomas plays it cool and asks about the dog, deciding he'll call the animal boy, then digging that the priest loves his boy, doesn't he? Thomas states he knows they need him alive. Hughes agrees, but then darkly tells Thomas to check under his son Charles's pillow when he gets home, as the tooth fairy's been. Thomas rushes back to his house in a panic. In the crib, he finds a business card for the co-op crematorium with a handwritten note declaring R.I.P. Charles Selby. His frantic state is interrupted by Grace, and he plays the situation down, keeping the note to himself. Reuben Oliver visits Polly with an arrangement to paint a portrait in an expensive gown. Ada forces her to invite Reuben to the charity dinner. It's the night of the event. Grace wears the sapphire necklace. Father Hughes and Patrick Jarvis arrive as recommended guests by the Lord Mayor. Thomas takes them aside to an empty room. They have Thomas run over the details of the robbery and then tell him the Russians want to see the vehicles for inspection. He says it's impossible, but Hughes says anything's possible and he's got to make it happen. In the main room, Grace introduces Thomas to Tatiana Petrovna. 
Grace twigs that the two already know each other, but has to leave to discuss a large cash donation. Tatiana tells him she's been ordered to seduce him, but he brushes off the idea. She then reveals the sapphire Grace wears has been cursed by a gypsy. Oh no. Thomas grabs Grace and explains how he knows Tatiana and gets her to remove the necklace. As they kiss and smile, an armed man walks in, shouts, For Angel! and shoots, hitting Grace. John beats the man as Thomas holds his bleeding wife and screams for an ambulance. Thomas rides back to his home after another night spent sleeping outdoors. Inside, we see Ada, Polly and Michael discussing his new routine of sleeping away from the house, only returning to see his son, Charles. Ada says Thomas has made a list and wants to see Polly and Michael first. At that moment, he walks through the room without saying a word to anyone. Once inside the office, he questions Polly and Michael over the books, which are up slightly, and hears that it's been suggested a new school be named the Grace Shelby Institute. He hands the pair a list of tasks to be carried out and dismisses them. Outside, Arthur and John wait to be seen, slightly put out that they're being seen in turn. Polly warns they need him back as it won't be long before Sabini and Solomons are back on the scene. Arthur tells Thomas that Angel has been killed in hospital and that Vicente is planning on leaving for New York from Liverpool with his wife. Thomas tells them to shoot her and bring Vicente to him. John reminds him that Mrs Changretta taught them at school, Arthur pointing out that she's a woman. However, Thomas replies that if she's a good woman, she'll go to heaven. Before leaving, John kicks off about Michael being seen before them, which raises animosity and voices between himself and Thomas. In the kitchen, tempers are still bubbling. Arthur mocks that Michael's the new boss now because he speaks better, considering himself and John nothing more than binmen with a duty to obey. He continues to pick on Michael, but Michael's not for backing down, meaning tensions rise fast. Arthur squares up to his cousin, but is met head-on before Polly manages to call it down with a natural authority. Suddenly, Finn rushes in, breaking the news that Thomas has left in a wagon with Johnny Dogs. On the wagon, we hear Thomas has left a note explaining he's gone to Wales and will return in three days' time. He's taken his son Charles along for the ride. That night, Arthur and John are teaching Michael how to use a gun as they all drink copious amounts of whiskey. Arthur asks why a pen pusher wants to learn to fire a gun, then tells him to point his cock gun at them to feel the power. He holds the gun to John's head, then turns and points it at Arthur as his cousin eggs him on. With things seemingly on the brink of losing control, Polly swoops in yet again. Arthur just tells her they're simply educating the boss. Next day, Arthur and John visit the factory and inform the foreman is to fire all Communist Party members working there within six weeks. They plan to bring everyone out on strike to aid the theft of the vehicles. The foreman's threatened with potential violence unless the sackings take place. Reuben is painting Polly's portrait. She asks if he's simply doing this so he can brag to his friends that a gangster is sitting for him. He admits his real motivation is to try and seduce her. In Wales, Thomas meets a gypsy called Bethany Boswell. He asks her if the sapphire necklace is indeed cursed, seeking to be absolved from guilt over the death of his wife Grace. Hearing how it's affected him, she states the gem is cursed after all. At Liverpool docks, Vicente and his wife prepare to board the ship for New York when they're apprehended by Arthur and John. His wife recognises them. For old time's sake, the boys disobey Thomas's order and allow Mrs Changretta to live, but they leave with Vicente as prisoner. We cut to an abandoned warehouse. Vicente stripped to the waist and tied to a chair as Thomas walks in. Thomas tells him it's just after seven in the evening and they all torture him until the morning. Taking a razor from a briefcase, he demands Vicente look him in the eyes but then begins to falter. Seeing Thomas's nerve begin to waver, Arthur steps forward and puts a bullet through Vicente's head. 
Back in the office, Ada tells Thomas that she's heard the Soviet embassy are getting inside information and she's got a name, James Munkland. She's offered a job heading up the Boston office. Said Mr Munkland is met by Thomas in a cell, having been picked up by officers on the blinders' payroll. Thomas wants the name of an informant. Elsewhere, Linda breaks the news to a joyous Arthur that she's pregnant. Arthur delivers that news to his brothers. It's met by smiles, although it's difficult to gauge Thomas's guarded reaction. Later that evening, Thomas interrupts a meal at the home of Grand Duchess Isabella Petrovna. Also present are Leon, Tatiana, Father Hughes and Patrick Jarvis. He delivers the plans for the theft of the armoured vehicles and declares he's got additional expenses. And then under the guise of handing the expenses to Isabella, he passes her a napkin with the words, I have secrets. Before leaving, he lets it be known that he can't swallow food in the same room as the priest. Tatiana's told to show him to his car and hear what he has to say. He reveals Father Hughes is passing information to the Soviets, and if they want him dead, he'll do it for free. Bargain. We begin on a hunt in the grounds of Thomas's house and the killing of an impressive stag. The boys walk over to inspect it. Later on around a campfire, Thomas breaks the news that their father, Arthur Senior, was shot in Boston and killed. A letter says that he asked for his son's forgiveness on his deathbed. Thomas says the stag was killed as a way of remembrance, but nobody has to forgive him. He then moves swiftly on to peaky business in the upcoming robbery. Elsewhere, we see a very drunk Polly enter a church intent on attending confession. She opens up about killing a policeman, Campbell, and wants to confess that she feels no regret. She then admits that a man of the cloth is going to be murdered. When Polly returns home, Esme's fuming that the boys are off having a good time. Polly struggles to open the safe, so Lizzie helps her. Lizzie also admits to Polly that she does occasionally sleep with Thomas when the mood takes him. News that further cements Esme's belief that life isn't fair. Back in the woods, Thomas states that the plans following the robbery are to step away from the darker side of business and concentrate on the legal side of matters. Charlie and Curly agree and say they're both in. Linda arrives at the Shelby house with lunch. She says all the female factory workers have followed shop steward Jesse Eden out on strike. In the spirit of solidarity, they shut up shop and head off to the bullring where the workers plan to congregate. As Thomas enters the office, he's met by Tatiana declaring they need proof regarding Father Hughes. The exchange quickly turns to flirting. Knowing Tatiana is listening, Thomas tells John to put a nail in her car tyre so she has to stay the night. Surprising nobody, that night the pair makes sweet love. Afterwards, during small talk, she grabs his gun and runs through his house laughing as he gives chase. She tells him he's a powerful man, then cryptically says she'll show him something and runs again. In his office, she holds the gun to her head, having emptied every chamber but one, and in a solo game of Russian roulette, pulls the trigger and hears the click as Thomas loses his mind. He follows her again. Tatiana undresses in the hall as the maid Mary walks in. Thomas sends her back to bed. Tatiana says she knows Thomas's weaknesses and understands him. After an eventful night, the slightly balmy Tatiana gives him permission to execute the priest. The next day, Thomas reveals he's found out via Tatiana the Georgians keep their wealth in the grand house on the lower floors, suspecting a cell has been turned into a strong room. A plan's hatched to utilise the skills of a thief called Stefan Radishevsky by getting him employed in the house as a servant to gather intel. Next, Thomas meets a hungover Polly and the women. Esme asks about the robbery having been told about it by Linda. She's worried about what happens when the Russians come looking for revenge. At the church, Father Hughes is informed about the words of Polly by the priest she confessed to. Thomas goes to see Linda about word of the robbery slipping. She explains she doesn't believe things will be done once the robbery is complete. She's told the people they're stealing for are bad people who won't pay, so they'll take it from them plus a little more on top, declaring Arthur walks away with £30,000. 
Linda reminds Thomas a third of the take is 50 grand. And after some quick maths regarding expenses, states Arthur's share should be £41,000 instead. She reveals with the money she and Arthur plan to leave for a new life in California. At home, Thomas loads his gun and tracks Father Hughes to a village fate. He follows the priest into a bathroom, gun drawn. Slowly approaching a cubicle door, he's suddenly assaulted from behind by two men and horrifically beaten as Hughes watches. He's stretched out, placed in a van and driven away. Arriving at a deserted building, he's dropped to the floor as Hughes emerges from the shadows flanked by Patrick Jarvis. Thomas drifts in and out of consciousness but wakes to the face of Hughes. He explains that he's passing on information on the instruction of Section D and Thomas must explain to the Russians he made a mistake and apologise to Hughes in front of them. He's then threatened that his son will be taken if he doesn't. Thomas gets dumped outside his house in a bad way. He sacks all the former soldiers on his staff at the house and tells his maid men are arriving from Birmingham and should be put up in the house and then goes to London. Drugged up for the pain, Thomas arrives for dinner and his apologies to Hughes. He shuffles in, his cap pulled low. He makes the humiliating apology, but Hughes adds additional humiliation by commanding him to recite the act of contrition in the presence of everyone seated. Afterwards, he heads to Ada's where he meets an advisor to the Soviet embassy. He delivers details regarding the robbery, adding that their informant is working against them to force them to commit an act of violence on British soil and force the government to break off diplomatic relations. Ada supports her brother from the room. He slumps, asking her to call an ambulance and tell them he's got a fractured skull, concussion and an internal bleed. As she rushes away, he whispers to his deceased father that he can see him. Thomas makes a slow three-month recovery from the vicious beating received under the orders of Father Hughes. He's visited by Michael, who wants to talk about Hughes. He tells his cousin he was abused by him as a boy and wants permission to shoot the priest himself. Thomas agrees. Back in his home, Thomas pours the morphine he was prescribed down the sink because it gives him interesting dreams about his elderly maid, Mary. When he's back on his feet, Thomas begins to put the plan together for the robbery. All the firing pins are removed from the tanks in a deal with the Russian embassy that means the train transporting the vehicles will no longer have to be blown up. Johnny Doggs is told to set up a camp on Shelby-owned land close to where a tunnel is to be dug towards the Georgian stronghold. Thomas gets word that Alfie Solomons has arrived to see him. A meeting takes place, at least it does after initial issues between Arthur and Alfie are settled. Alfie apologises for the beating and imprisonment Arthur endured, declaring it just business. He then mocks him a little for accepting Jesus into his life. Alfie has his own style. Thomas delivers a plan to those gathered that include Alfie Solomons as a key part. The Shelby brothers, Thomas, Arthur and John, visit the Georgians at their heavily Cossack-guarded stately home. Tatiana welcomes them. Arthur and John are forced to be strip-searched in case they have tattoos relating to assassins, a Georgian tradition, apparently. Arthur's particularly unimpressed, but words from Thomas calm him. John, however, is all too keen. Tatiana begins to pleasure Arthur, saying he wants to be a good man, but inside he's simply another devil. And away from the action, Polly and Michael visit Ada. Michael asks to use the phone and nips away. He calls to arrange an abortion for his pregnant girlfriend, the same girl he introduced to cocaine. Ada signs as a new head for property and acquisitions in the business. Polly tells Ada she might nip off for a drive to see Reuben as the portrait is finished. Back in the Georgian madhouse, a vodka-fuelled orgy is underway. John spots Stefan, the thief they planted, and follows him. Stefan says the strong room's not guarded at night, but that he and his brothers are to be killed. Deeper inside the house, Thomas gets escorted by Tatiana to the strong room. Cossacks with dogs line the route. Inside, Alfie's already there as Thomas's jeweller. 
Alfie is to select £70,000 worth of jewels to be packed and delivered to Thomas at a later date. He begins by getting into the face of Romanov, telling him his mother fled to Russia, hunted by his people and dogs. He then collects together £70,000 worth of goodies, including a Fabergé egg that are set aside for after the robbery. Polly sees the portrait painted by Reuben and loves it. Casting her misgivings aside, she bones him. Back at the orgy, Arthur too has sex with a maid, pulling his wedding ring off whilst maintaining his rhythm. Tatiana leads Thomas to her bedroom. They also get physical, but in typical Tatiana style, she adds a touch of weirdness to the situation when she introduces him to erotic asphyxiation. As he struggles to breathe, he hallucinates that Tatiana is Grace. Back at Rubens, Polly tells him she once killed a policeman. The Peaky Boys leave the Georgian madness as the sun rises the following day. Arthur's quiet as shame makes its presence felt and the boys rib him about telling Linda everything. Later, Thomas meets some old war buddies who are to tunnel into the Georgian stronghold. At the Shelby home, Polly enters Michael's office and finds a bullet with the name Hughes scratched into it under his desk. She's told by Thomas that her son plans to kill the priest. After some pushing by Polly, Thomas admits that her son was abused by Father Hughes when he was a boy. She announces that if her son pulls the trigger, she'll bring the entire Shelby Empire crashing down. We begin at the opening of the Grace Shelby Institute. After making a speech, Thomas stands before a portrait of his dead wife. He's joined by Father Hughes, who tells me he has his office just two doors away. Thomas stays silent. Hughes warns him not to deviate from the plan over the next 24 hours. As he leaves, he passes Michael, who follows him with his eyes. During a photo opportunity, Thomas hands his son Charles to a nanny. After the picture, he realises with horror that Charles is no longer in the room. As panic grows, he hears someone saw a woman and a child get into a car outside and leave. Thomas paces frantically when Ada enters, saying a priest is outside wanting to see him. Hughes waits in a car. He confirms Thomas's fears that he has Charles, and he tells him to get in. Inside, Hughes states his son's safe. Thomas explains he'll carry out whatever is necessary with no complaints. Hughes tells Thomas he knows he's made a deal with the Soviets, then tells him he must blow up the train and ensure there are casualties. With little choice, he has to agree. Hughes isn't done yet, though. He adds he knows about the tunnel and states all the takings, including the Fabergé egg, will be given to him to cover his expenses. Back in the Shelby house, Thomas begins to point the finger at everyone present, asking who it was that spoke, adding that only people he told about the Fabergé egg are in the room, namely Ada, Polly, John and Arthur. All of them deny any slip of the tongue. Thomas tasks John and Arthur with acquiring some dynamite and makes it clear he suspects Polly has drunkenly spoken to Reuben about the robbery. Later, an angry Polly takes a knife to the portrait. Elsewhere, Thomas meets with Alfie, who presents him with the names of people that might buy a Fabergé egg. Thomas pulls his gun, pointing it at Alfie. At the same time, Alfie's henchmen pull a gun on Thomas. He reveals to Alfie he missed a name off the list, then accuses him of being the man that leaked the information and of being in league with Section D. He tells Alfie a line's been crossed by taking his son, but Alfie plays it down. Thomas attacks him, is pulled away by the henchman who puts a gun to his throat, then is saved by a bullet from a fresh-on-the-scene Michael that kills the henchman. Michael convinces Thomas not to kill Alfie as it would be damaging to the business, but Alfie insists Thomas has to acknowledge how many people he himself has killed before telling him a line has been crossed, and then states Thomas has to kill him like an honourable man. Thomas tells Michael to call Moss, when he leaves, Alfie admits to Thomas he genuinely didn't know about Charles being taken. Reuben is seeking Polly, but instead finds a torn-up portrait and a gun to his head. He explains whatever she's been told isn't true and states he wants to be part of her world. She tells him the painting was wrong as that woman was too sure of herself. 
with assistance from Moss, Arthur and John find the man missing from the Fabergé list, put a noose around his neck and demand the location of Charles. Meanwhile, Thomas heads for Johnny Dogs to help with the tunnel dig. After getting the information they needed, the Peaky Blinders give the location they believe Charles is being held to Michael. He's to head in with two other men. They expect Father Hughes to be alone and not expecting company. And inside a church, we see Hughes tend to Charles. The strike begins at the car factory as tools are downed and men walk. Arthur and the crew arrive, ready to blow the train if no word on Charles comes through. Thomas plants dynamite in the tunnel. Michael enters the church, gun drawn. Arthur and John wait for news. Michael comes face to face with Father Hughes and pushes the gun barrel into his forehead, but Hughes knocks it away, begins to beat him and then strangles Michael. Back in the tunnels, the blast opens up the way into the stronghold. Thomas rushes in, grabbing two pouches before leaving again. Michael pulls a blade and slices Hughes across his eye, sending the priest screaming backwards. The two men run in to help Michael, but he tells them Hughes is his, and then plunges the knife into his abuser's throat, killing him. Finn rushes along the track, shouting that Charles is safe, but it's too late as Arthur detonates the blast, blowing the train to pieces. Arthur, John and Finn burn the remaining evidence. Michael returns Charles home, but Polly notices the blood on his clothing. An emotional Thomas speaks to his toddler son over the phone. He meets Tatiana with the jewels. It's revealed that she backstabbed her family in a deal with Thomas to take the gems. A jeweller she's brought along representing a buyer in Paris verifies the quality of the stolen goods. She declares she's off to Vienna. He says he's going back to Birmingham to buy a racehorse. They kiss and she demands a return of £5,000 for the sex and another for helping him get over the death of his wife. He returns the first but says she didn't get anywhere near the latter. As he leaves, she shoots the jeweller and takes the gems for herself. Good girl. With everyone present, Thomas prepares to dish out the promised cash. He apologises for getting them involved despite warnings. He adds in an impassioned speech that despite any desire to go legitimate, they will never be accepted because of who they are and where they're from. Polly says she's an alternative view of the future. Linda tells Arthur it's time to leave for America. As he begins to say his goodbyes, Thomas drops a bombshell that he won't get far as police have issued warrants for the arrest of him, John, Michael and Polly for murder, among a list of other crimes. He states the people they brought down want revenge. Panic begins to spread. Thomas says he's made arrangements and plans with people even more powerful than their enemies. Police arrive at the house and make arrests. Thomas watches alone as his family is shipped away in the back of police vans. Thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Listen, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you subscribed. We've got loads more shows where this came from, and we'd love you to join us for them. A five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from would also be absolutely fantastic. If you've got any feedback or ideas for a show that we should be covering, we'll almost certainly be doing the big ones, but you never know. There may be others that we've missed. Let us know. I'd love to hear from you over on Twitter. You can find us at PreviousPodcast or just email us hello at previouslyon.co.uk. Previously On is presented by Jamie East and is a Daft Doris production. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.